This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And on a cloudy Saturday morning, the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, saying good morning. (laughs) Good good morning. (laughs) My favorite under, under, under garden. Well, yes. And uh, Charlie, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Good. On this kind of gray day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Me too. I I had a quick little shout out, you know. Yes. Yeah, I want to do a little shout out. Never quick. Well, I want to say hi to a couple of folks who I hope are tuning in for the first time. Ken and Norma McGarvey. We were out to Din Din last night, just a little uh, fun thing at a restaurant called the Taurus Restaurant in Thornhill. Uh-huh. Anyway, while we're there, Zoe Adams, the singer, and Tony Corrington, who's won a Juno Award. Huh. Uh, anyway, he's on guitar, and he could make the thing sound like a band. Huh. Uh, I think it was Zoe who said, Frank, have you ever heard of anything called Colt Foot? Colts. Colt's foot. Yep. And I said, geez, no, I haven't. And apparently this stuff is like a vine. It grows underneath. It's really In invasive. England. It grows like crazy in right. England. And she said, but apparently this stuff, you use it to brew a tea, and it's good for fighting gout. Hence the name, I guess, Colt's Well, foot. or coughs. It's quite yeah. famous for breathing mm-hmm. issues, asthma, any kind of coughs. Well, I'll be darned. So that might have been why she mentioned it uh-huh. to you. You might have said that you thought you had a bit of a cough yeah, coming I, on. Yeah, it's... Just kind of in the developmental stages. Yeah, of well, I wouldn't recommend that you go out there and start picking Colt's foot because <laughs> okay, you're not going to yeah. pick the right thing. And it could be dangerous. Well, oh, God, yeah. But mm. yes, indeed, it's certainly worth trying with honey, okay. some Colt's foot tea to help with uh, with alleviating chest congestion, yeah, uh, that asthma, sort of thing. Things like that, yeah. yeah, any breathing oh. difficulties. But okay. you know, uh, on that same issue, yeah. um, up coming up now, might it's, it might be a bit late for people that have want the information now, but yeah. the Toronto Botanical Gardens hosts many programs, um, you know, educational, fun, mm-hmm. learning opportunities. There is uh, um, a special event happening on Monday, February 27th, so it's okay. quite a ways yeah. in the future, called Herbal Cold and Flu Remedies. Ah. Uh, it's in the evening from 7 till 9 p.m., and uh, y- you're going to learn all about uh, Natalie's grandma's tried and true recipes, as well as Natalie's own insights as uh-huh. a contemporary herbalist. So yes, indeed, that's Natalie a falter who will be teaching that. And yeah, you learn how to make teas, tinctures, syrups. Go home with samples and recipes. Well, you know some of those old grandma's recipes. You know. Oh, I don't question. Tried and true. I was saying many of those are way yeah. better than what you're going to find at Shoppers Drug Mart. So yeah, um, yeah, no. I, I, but you just don't go out there randomly going, oh, this looks like cold foot. I think I'll make a tea. <laughs> out of it because uh yeah there are there, yeah. many plants have many uh things you know issue mm-hmm. again could cause all kinds of problems and issues yeah. so be very very careful if you're well i was just reading any harvesting the, i think it was in the national post this morning just mm-hmm. i quickly glanced at this article where there's a super bug that they nothing that they have will touch it 
and some lady was visiting India, came back, oh. had a problem with her hip, and oh. uh, got an infection. And they had 26 of the known uh, antibiotics. Yeah. Nothing, Nothing touched this touched damn it. thing. Oh, yeah. So, and they're kind of warning people to be careful, uh, you know, where you go, and I guess. Well, that's right. Wash your hands, wash your yeah, hands, yeah. wash your hands, yeah, right? True. Like, if well, nothing you else. Sing happy birthday twice. Well, you're washing your hands, and apparently that's... Oh, really? Yeah. That's yep. how you know... Yep. So I'd be like brushing your teeth, singing no, no. happy birthday twice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> that's really, really messy. <laughs> Hard to do. <laughs> yeah, my God. All right. That's funny. I didn't oh, know that. Singing I better give out the phone twice. numbers, hadn't I, huh? Oh. Oh, gee, that's oh, what I'm here were for. Were we expecting some calls? Well, now, yeah. As a yeah. matter of fact, we already have a couple, uh-huh. uh, more than that. Okay, but good. here we go. For Toronto area listeners, you want to get a hold of Chartia and ask her a question or tell her something interesting, fine. Mm-hmm. 416-360-0740. And then anywhere in the province, toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. Remember our little mantra, if you would, please. Call early, call often, one question per call. And if you are a first-time caller, let Sebastian know. He is our uh, trusty uh, tech guy who takes care of us here. Let him know you're a first-time caller. And when you come to the air... You're going to hear that. That's giving you your garden wings, as it were. <laughs> okay, uh, so we uh, we have a whole bunch of folks lined up. Uh, uh, Sharon and West Lorne will be chatting with in just a couple of moments. Excellent. Alrighty, you were listening to The Garden Show from Zuba Radio AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All righty, Charlie, uh, we're set to rock and roll here, okay? Uh, let's say hi to Sharon in West Lorne. Good For morning. Sure. Good hi. morning, Sharon. How are you? Good morning to both of you, and Happy New Year. Well, and thank you. And may be healthy and prosperous and all the rest. I hope and so. say uh, Happy New Year to Sebastian, too. He got off the line before I... Oh, bless your heart. He's, he's giving now you a big wave. He's smiling. That's really an accomplishment, believe <laughs> Um, What I'm calling for is about um, planting seeds at this time to Mm -hmm. start them to put in the garden. Uh Um, Poppy seeds is my main thing. A friend gave them some, uh, me some, um, right, like right out of the package, and that. Oh, this was years and years and years ago. I planted them, um, and they are flourishing. Um, She thought about getting some, and they're the Oriental poppies. They're not the you know, they're the uh-huh. real poppies. Yeah, yeah, they're perennial um, poppies. And um, so she wanted some. So I did. Get, I did save some seeds from, uh, from mine uh, several times and gave them to her. She tried to grow them without any luck. Now I know, um, or I've heard that that you can't once you've planted them, that it's that you can't. Um, well, you can, but they don't grow. Um, divide them and give um, mm. a piece of the plant and plant them someplace else or whatever. So I was wondering if I, um, I thought, well, I would take some and, or take some seeds and plant them inside first and grow them mm-hmm. to little plants and that too, and then give them to her, and then she could plant them where she wanted them and maybe well, they'd grow. Right, so because you've had success growing the seeds in the past and she hasn't, do you mean? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. I, like mine are still in the, in the one place that I planted them years and years and years ago, and they, they flourished. I mean, they're, they, they're beautiful great. every year. That's but, lovely. Uh, 
I, I've heard that they you can't divide them in that. You already give her a piece of that. Well, that's right. Yeah, I think yeah. of poppies as a tough one to divide. They are typically yeah. always propagated by seed. Yeah. Um, I'm just double-checking here to figure out when to plant them. And I think the other thing a lot of times people don't realize about the oriental poppies or the perennial poppies is they grow up, they almost look like a dandelion when they're growing well, in, this, in the spring, sort of furry, toothy mm-hmm. leaves. Yes. Uh, of course, then they bust out into amazing flowers. So then we go, oh my gosh, they're poppies, they're gorgeous. And then two weeks later, they completely disappear from the garden. They, oh, go, to, right? they yeah. go dormant yeah. for the rest of the summer. So you have a big hole where they used to be. Well, so you they, have they, to kind of plan around that. Mine, they, they um, uh, flower and are just profuse in the flowering. Mm-hmm. And then um, I let them dry and, and whatever, like mm-hmm. seeds and, and mm-hmm. stems and that too, before I cut the stems off and whatever. But they seem to grow all all or stay alive all fall and into the winter and they even start to grow back. I mean, they can die off. And then right. They start They'll to... wake back up if the conditions yeah. are right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's a good idea. Like, if you have had success growing the seeds in the past, you know, you've obviously got something up your sleeve that your friend isn't able to do as oh, effectively. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm throwing them in and they grew. Yeah. Well, I mean, poppies are easy to grow straight out in the garden, but I think the growing indoors can be a little tricky. So that's... Uh, but you will want to start them uh, in little cell packs one way or the yes, other so yes. that you can then hand them off to your friend. Yes, oh, that's, yes, great. that's what I was thinking, but yeah. I wondered what time. Is it too early now? Or? I would think it's too early now. I I'm, I'm don't have the definitive answer, so I can double-check that, but it is still only January, so no. I'd be afraid to rush into any seed starting now yes. because the light levels are still too low. <laughs> and even though you might get the seeds to germinate, uh, you will not find that there'll be happy plants inside no, our no. homes for the next three months, yeah. they're going to be pretty straggly and scrawny before yeah, we can give them proper light. Yeah, well, let me, um, Sharon, let me look this up and I'll, I'll report back uh, this during okay. the show, so keep listening. Okay, okay, um, thank you very much. And I was just going to say, unless you have supplemental lighting, because some people do have grow lights. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Yeah, and then... Like the windows or whatever. Yeah, so it'll be too early for sure for if you're only working with windows. Yeah. And the other thing, addendum, is there are some annuals that we do uh, plant now from seed yes, in I order know. to get them flowering in right. June. Uh-huh. So things like geraniums, begonias, yeah. uh, even petunias, they get started very early. Otherwise, they don't flower till August. No. But you have, again, you would need supplemental okay. lighting. All right. Well, keep tuned, and uh, Charlie will do I'll her utmost back. to find out the <laughs> answers for you, okay? Thanks, Sharon and Wes. Lauren, yeah. and now, out to Pickering, and there is Josephine. Hi, Josephine. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Frank and Charlie. How are you doing? Very Good. well. How are you? I'm hanging in. <laughs> it's pretty cold out there. I oh. just went out to the backyard and brought inside a bag of potting soil. Oh, and it's frozen solid, I bet. <laughs> it is. I put it down in the laundry room in the uh, laundry, um, you know, the... Tub, uh, I hope. Oh, what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, to turn around and thaw out. Yeah, yeah it'll take all day to get that thawed well, out. Well, I don't care. <laughs> Good. Talking about, I, have you heard of something called Purple Heart? Um, I think what you're referring to as Purple Heart is also referred to as Moses in a Cradle. Uh, purple no, leaves, no. The other name for it is called Setcrezy. Set, set and it's a vine. And it has huh. purple leaves. Uh, and very sporadic. And a tiny little pink flower. Uh-huh. In the, yep, yep. Okay. okay. And well, they, it's called Purple Heart, and uh-huh. the proper name for it is called Setcrezy. Yep. Polita. Now, Set-crezy. I did a very foolish thing. Uh-huh. Guess what? I decided 
I thought, gee, this is pretty. I don't want to lose it. I know it's going to freeze. Uh-huh. So what did I do? I broke off a piece, uh-huh. and I put it in a, in a bottle with water. Great. Yeah. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. Well, guess what? It's growing like crazy. You better believe <laughs> no it. No kidding. Found out. That's why I had to go out to the shed. <laughs> Get the potting the soil. soil. <laughs> <Okay>. That's great. <laughs> now, uh, does that need, because we've got minimal light uh-huh. in the winter, mm-hmm. Does it have to be in the front room facing south to get the sun? Well, it's going to be a happier plant in more sun, so it's going to be a more compact plant and more likely to flower if it gets sun. It's it, already flowering in the bottle. There wow. you go. So it's a happy Jeez. plant. Yeah, uh, but, I mean, they are. I mean, you can tell by mm. the vigor of the plant that it's a pretty amenable plant to just about any conditions that you give it. So don't hesitate to uh, put it where you want. I mean, it will like make a lovely vine for sure. It's very pretty. I only hope it doesn't overrun the house. Well, remember you can when. When there's no more flowers at the tips, don't hesitate to um, pinch the tips right. of the various little stems just to force some branching and, again, make it a prettier plant yeah. instead of just having one big, long, trailing vine. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Okay. Hey. I thought I'd give somebody a break and let them get in first before me. Yeah, I know. Well, that was very right. good. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you and Sharon, both uh, yeah. you know, well-known callers. So thank you, both of you, for giving us a call and giving us an update on what's going Thanks, on. Thanks, Josephine, very much. As we say goodbye to Josephine, that leaves the line open at 416-360-0740 here in Toronto and in the province of anywhere. It's uh, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Coming up to 924, we have to take a little bit of a break, but uh, we'll be back to talk to Dorothy here in Toronto in just a moment on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And the Zoomer uh, Radio uh, garden uh, host, which I am, <laughs> undergardener. Hello. Sue Sheffield. Good of the morning. Garden. Did you have a little nap there? Franklin. Tonight? Yeah, I did. I kind of drifted off. I well, think so because I was doing research. Well, yes, you were. I okay. wasn't what keeping you, you awake. What did you uncover? Well, it's interesting you ask because I was just looking up <laughs> Oriental poppy seed germination on behalf of the question from Sharon and West Lorne. Okay, I still don't have the answer as to when to plant poppy seeds, but I have learned that, and I, you know, you know what poppy seeds look yeah. like. You know, you get a bagel with poppy seeds, yeah, little yeah. round black seeds. So moist seeding uh, soil. So mm-hmm. you go to the store, you buy seeding mix, and it'll be very clear. It'll be a very fine tilth, they call that, peat-based uh, mix. Okay. Moisten it up. Get it into your little uh, flats or cell packs. S- sprinkle the seeds on the surface. Don't bury them, just nope. on the top. Okay. Press them gently just down mm-hmm. to you know, so good contact, seed soil contact, no covering. But then there's at night, you're supposed to cover them with just a piece of paper or cardboard, uncover in the morning, continue this process daily until green shoots appear, which could be as many as three to four weeks. Hmm. Uh, and of course, then you don't transplant until they're a little bit stronger. So backing that up from thinking that, you know, our last our frost-free date is the end of May, yeah. I wouldn't be planting those indoors until the end of April, mid-April at the soonest. Right. Okay, frankly. that'll fit that four to... Yeah, and if you say, well, but I don't want to run the risk that I 
you know, screw up. So maybe, okay, try planting some in early April and then try two weeks later, plant some more just on principle ah. uh, as, a, as an idea. Yeah. But yeah, don't rush. So many times we get so excited about yeah, getting yeah. in the Ooh. garden. Let's get dirty. Get, yeah, get down and dirty. And All right. And the problem is we get things growing. You, We've had calls. Yeah. You know, people with three foot tall tomatoes in February because they <laughs> planted them too early. Yeah. So don't plant your seeds yet, generally speaking. All right. Maybe just around the corner. Who knows? Here in Toronto anyway. Dorothy on the line. Good morning, Dorothy. Good and, morning. Hello, Dorothy. Uh, my my question is, it's my Christmas uh, percent uh, point set of plants. Yes. I've left, I've lost all the green leaves uh-huh. and half of the the red ones. Okay. What am I going to do with it? I would cut it down. Uh, it's still got green stems. Yeah. And have you got? I, it seems to me you're in a fairly shady area. Do you have a sunny window where the plant is? Not yeah. in the living room, which is where I could look at it. If I put it in some place um, with the sunny window, I'm not in that room. Okay, but it doesn't sound like it's very pretty to look at right now, anyway. So I'd put it in that sunny room and just don't look at it. But I would cut it down so that you, if you look along the green stems, you'll see little bumps on the stems. And so what you want to do is you want to count from ground level up the bumps. So you've got about four bumps high before you just chop every branch off. So the plant might end up being about four inches tall uh, and every branch is cut down to about the four inch height. And at those little bumps is where your new growth will come from after you've done that trimming. Putting it in the sun will encourage the process to take place. And feeling the soil. You just got to remember every couple of days, go in and feel the soil. You don't want a poinsettia ever dry, completely to super dry, but you also don't want to keep it constantly soggy. So there's that fine line between, you know, let it get pretty dry and then water Can thoroughly. Can you do it by weight? Uh, yeah, sometimes yeah. weight works really well. And the only other addendum for poinsettias is they hate drafts. They hate cold drafts. They hate warm drafts. So you want to keep them away from vents and keep them away from open windows or opening doors or anything like that. So it's just, you know, a bright spot, consistently moist, you know, mo- keep, you know, checking for moisture and avoid drafts. And it should come back quite nicely, Dorothy. Will it last for how long? Well, what you're going to want to do is grow it up as a, as a green houseplant until we're frost-free, get it outside in the summer, uh, let it grow as a green plant outside. Do you know? And pinching, we were just talking about pinching with Josephine, uh, her purple mm. uh, heart vine, to encourage bushiness. Same thing with your poinsettia. Once it starts to... Uh, send out a lot of new growth after you've cut it back, in about two months you're going to pinch the tips and that's going to make a branch even more. And before you know it, you're going to have a nice green bushy plant uh, through July and August. Then you'll bring it in the house in August and then we'll start the process of coloring it up, so to speak, getting those red Oh, I'm not going to bother with that. All right. Well, enjoy it as a green plant for the yep. spring and summer anyway. Um, and But I think you'll just find it's more likely to sh- shoot out some leaves if you can get it in some sunshine. Okay, Dorothy. Thanks very much for giving us a ring here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio, AM 740, and, of course, 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Hey, there's Ed, right? Well, I don't know whether in downtown Toronto, but somewhere in the area. Hi, Ed. Good morning. Morning. Uh, Yeah, I'm calling. I have a hibiscus plant that I've had for a number of years, and it's worked well. It bloomed. I had it outside every year. Uh Uh, Bring it in in the fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it started to lose its leaves, mm-hmm. and I couldn't stop it. it. And they all started to die. 
I took the plant and I I took all the soil out of it and put brand new soil in. Mm. It seems to have helped a little bit, but uh, the thing was, uh, it was just going to die on me. Is there any suggestions that you have? You have? But mm. This is old hibiscus. All right. So when you say, okay, so all the leaves are turning yellow. When we bring a hibiscus inside from, you know, the bright, sunny outdoors, it's very common for some of the older leaves to turn yellow. So not the ones on the tips, but the, the ones more in the center or the, the bottom of the plant. Very common, very natural, very normal. If the tips are turning yellow and shriveling up or doing anything odd, that's when we get out our magnifying glass and we suspect that there could be an infestation by white fly or spider mite or aphids or something that might have come in on the plant in the way of an insect. But there, were, there were no, there were no um, white flies. I've had those before, and, mm. and I learned from you that if you fill your pot with water, you'll kill all the, most of the bugs anyway, mm. and that works well. Yeah, the soil. Um, I seem to have stemmed it a little bit, but I, I, I'm just worried that... Because even the green buds at the very end were dying. Mm-hmm. Mm. And no evidence. Of, like spider mite, you won't see the insect, but you will see evidence of webbing. So that's something that's you know worth double-checking. Hibiscus are quite tasty. Many insects do like hibiscus. They have a fairly sweet uh, you know, sap in them or nectar within them. So the, they, they, do, they are a bit attractive to the insects. Um, what I would do, you've replaced the soil. What does it look like now? Do you have any new growth at all? on the plant? Not not yet. It seems to have stemmed the, the, the like a number of my, my branches are bare mm. and, and it seems to have stopped this. I still have some green leaves there but uh, uh, really the, the plant is not looking that great. Right. Doesn't sound like it's thriving particularly. How big is the plant? Well, it's uh, probably three, four feet tall. Tall. And is it like a, a single stem, like a tree, like a hibiscus tree? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's Three of them wrapped oh. around. So oh, a, I know what you have. Yeah, the twist. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah, so it's three. What they did is three cuttings. It's often yeah. it's three different yeah. colors, actually, because my dad has one of these. So one is pink, one is red, and one is yellow, and they're grown oh, up, braided as. Oh, yeah, they're quite lovely. Okay, so what are you going to do now? Well, the good thing is, is that we're on the upside in terms of light levels getting longer and better. And the hibiscus will respond to that as long as it, it can. So you do have it in a, a bright, sunny location, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. And um, your job right now, so you've got fresh soil in there. Do not do any fertilizing or anything like that yet. Wait another month before you do any fertilizing. But what I would do now is be careful on the watering, obviously. With very few leaves, the plant will not be using nearly as much water. So only water when it's really dry. And, I mean, stick your finger right into the soil. Make sure it's not just dry on the surface but dry below. So be careful of that. And I would be doing some pruning. I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised if you test some of those little twigs where there's no leaves. If you, like, bend them, if they're brittle and just break, then that is a dead, a dead twig. And you'll look right. and, and you'll recognize that some of the wood or some of the woodiness on that plant will be truly dead. Some of it will not. It will have very small green dormant buds or bud scales so that given the right conditions, they'll bust out with some, some growth. And your job will be to, to trim back. And with hibiscus, you don't want to, tr- if all you're 
tiny bit of growth you've got left is only on the tips. You can't just trim that all back, otherwise the plant will die for sure. You've got to leave some green on the plant. So sometimes it's kind of a slow process of trimming. So trim out anything that's clearly dead. Leave any anything that's green. And if the plant now is so supremely lopsided, what you'll do is you'll wait until some new growth sprouts out where you've done the pruning. Then you'll, then you'll go back and prune where the leaves are currently are located to balance the plant out. So it's this process of, plant, of pruning over about a six-week period. And that by April, you've got a perfectly balanced plant with sprouts coming out all around. Okay. Does okay. that make sense? I will, tr- I will try it. <laughs> yeah. see what happens. Thank Good you stuff. So much for your- our pleasure. Let us know how that works okay, out, Ed. Ed. Thank you very much. Uh, we have a moment here before we have to take a little commercial break and then get on to talk to Bob in Scarborough. Uh, we'll, we'll get to you, Bob. No no sweat there. Uh, but you do have an email that you might uh, deal with here. And as, as you get it ready, let me just give your email address to other folks who want to send in a question or comment, whatever. It's Charlie Dobbin. goes this way. C. Dobbin. That's D-O-B-B-I-N at mzmedia.com. And someone has used that to send this little note. Okay, where you go. Well, thank you very much. Well, you're welcome. Ooh, I'm being produced. Ooh, yeah, well. well. <laughs> I'm being told. <laughs> uh, I just want to share. This is a lovely email that I received from Pat- Patricia, Patricia Martin. She says that she's never phoned in yet, but she's a big fan. She listens to the show. And she just uh, sent me a couple of photographs of her Dracaena blooming. So a Dracaena is a very common tropical plant. Mm -hmm. We grow them in our homes. You'll see them in hotel lobbies, hospitals, shopping malls, because they're they're pretty tough. They'll grow in a lot of different conditions. Uh, But they do not often bloom. Um, They they need to be in truly optimal conditions to bloom. Uh, And what happened was, in, in Patricia's home, she said it was such a delightful surprise. It took about two weeks for the bloom to be at its fullest, and then it lasted another two weeks. The most amazing thing about it was the scent. You could only smell it at night, and then the aroma filled the house. How unusual is this? And she's absolutely right. It is unusual to have uh, the tropicals like Dracaenas blooming in the house. Sansevieria is another one that will often bloom under optimal conditions and super fragrant. Just, yeah, you know, literally wow. fills, mm-hmm. the, fills the entire... Who needs any of that air freshener <laughs> junk that we, you know, yeah, those yeah. plug-in <laughs> things? Just get yourself a nice blooming plant yep. like a Dracaena or Sansevieria. Give it optimal conditions and enjoy the fragrance. Excellent, excellent. Alrighty. Thanks, Patricia. By the way, uh, my uh, my amaryllis, oh my God. Oh. And now it's got a brand new stem and is about two and a half feet high and looks like about four flowers there should be four. Should. So is that your yeah. second stem? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, surely cut off the other one. The first one. Yeah, the first it one right down. Yellowed all the way down, yep. did it? I'm not sure whether it yellowed all the way down. but Allow it to yellow oh, before you cut okay. it out. Only, like, it'll be the dead flowers, yeah. mm-hmm. petals, they yeah. go away. Mm-hmm. But leave that green stem oh. with no yeah, flowers yeah. on it until it's yellowed down. So you and my daughter, Sydney, are, are in the same sort of state with your amaryllis. Yeah, yeah. She's got the green uh, empty stem right. and then the new green stem coming up and you're right it's about two oh, feet tall oh on her God, plant as well incredible. she's so yeah. excited because she missed well, I, the I flowers I to take a photo of it I wanted to yeah. uh, photo to bring it in with me well, she, anyway. it was over Christmas holidays yeah. she was at home and mm-hmm. uh, she she only kind of caught the end of that first one so now she's back at school so she's in her apartment she 
she's all excited, going, oh, I'm going to yeah. see this one beginning <laughs> to end. So I'm expecting, you know, daily photographic updates from her as well. All righty. Okay, coming up to 9.40 here on The Garden Show, and Charlie and I shall return in moments uh, to talk to Bob, and Marilyn, and Keith, uh, all uh, lined up next for The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Back in a moment. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Say, let's uh, bob along to Scarborough Did to you say, say hi to Bob. Say? Say. Say. Say there. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, well. <laughs> That anyway. commercial really did you in. I know. I was, I was <laughs> listening intently. Uh, Bob in Scarborough, welcome to the show. Good morning, good morning. Good morning. Great day to wake up. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Every day is a good when day to get wake to up. Be a certain <laughs> the best thing that can happen to you, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, truly. Yeah. Anyway, I was talking to you there last week uh-huh. in that connection with uh, being a novice at uh, African violence, and I was looking for some place to. Uh, might be joined to get some more information, and you suggested the Toronto uh, African Violet Society. Yes. So uh, I went there last Sunday, and Mm -hmm. it meets at the Botanical Gardens Mm -hmm. there at Lawrence and uh, Leslie. Mm -hmm. And uh, very, I would certainly recommend it. I walked in, and they have a a group there that varies in size from month to month. And um, the president came up and introduced himself and introduced me around, and uh, the people were very friendly. Isn't that great? They are great, and they have a little table there. They have a few growers, commercial growers that belong to it, and they mm-hmm. present their wares very reasonable. And uh, then they have a, usually have a speaker mm-hmm. and, uh, or maybe a slideshow and uh, anything you want to know about violets. They certainly are there to give you a hand. Great. And, uh, um, I mean, I joined. Good <laughs> well, to terrific. hear. Yeah, well, good for you, Bob. Well, could you, you mentioned that because yeah. uh, they have the names, the uh, Latin names, and also just the uh, the great unwashed names on them. And it's, it's it helps because if you get in there and you see these Latin names, you can't even pronounce them. And it <laughs> sort of turns you off a little bit because I, you want to know what they they're called when you go to buy them in the store. Right. Well, I remember you said that. You were a little intimidated by all that Latin and those people that might be just a little too geeky for you to get along with. <laughs> but at the end of the day, they were turned out to be friendly bunch of African violet, you know, people like yourself. You want to start to grow violets? I mean, it, it goes into great depth and democratizing oh, if you want to do that. Totally. But just the average person that wants to keep a few in their house, I mean, you have to know how to keep them, mm-hmm. and that's what they do there. They tell yeah. you how to do yeah. it. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah, and yeah, you know, good. before you know it, you're going to be there, and you're going to see some color, like somebody's going to be selling a color that you've never seen before, or you don't have at home, and you'll have your whole window ledge with pinks and purples and blues and whites and doubles and triples and, you know, multi-variegated uh, leaves, and yeah, you'll be, you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're uh, caught up now. I was going to yeah. say, fish straight in, it caught. Hey, thanks for calling back with that report, yeah. Bob. We were kind of wondering if you'd go. And yeah, it's yeah. terrific. Well, your timing was so good last week that yeah. you know it just turned out there was a meeting last Sunday. So I hope anybody else who's listening who lives in the Toronto area or is just recognizes that horticultural societies often can be very fun groups to get involved yeah. in. Yeah, exactly. Like-minded individuals, educational opportunities, fun social setting. Yeah. So whether it's the Daylily Society, the Hosta Society, the African Violet Society, or just a general hort society, look look at your local and see if there's something going on you might want to get yeah. involved in. Yeah, keep in touch, would you, Bob? Yeah, thanks for that. Thank you very much. Uh, Mary Lynn in Welland on the line. Good morning, mm-hmm. Mary Lynn. 
good morning. Um, this is very ironical because the fellow that you were just speaking with, Bob, mm-hmm. <clears throat> prompted me to call you people oh. because I was interested in his uh, scientific approach to um, violets. Uh-huh. You people were talking about stripping them and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And it just made me flinch. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyways, um, I have uh, um, a group of plants they're called uh, rose poinsettias. Oh, yeah. And they've been sitting in my garden, so I brought them in, and they didn't bloom. Mm-hmm. And then I decided I would try um, coloring them. Um, and right now, they're in the dark. Oh. So am I wasting my time on this? It's just a fun project. Yeah. Um, and basically if it works out. Right. So the important thing to realize is it should work, even though obviously you were a bit late, but it does, yeah. when did you first put them in the dark? Oh, what I was doing, I guess it was early December. Oh, okay. Now, and But then I would leave them, like, for 13 hours, and then I would take them out and put them in the sunshine. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did get a little bit of red, mm-hmm. so I thought, okay, I'm going to put them in the dark for mm-hmm. the next month. Mm-hmm. In a cupboard. But not 24 hours a day. So you, you don't think I should do that then? No. What you were doing was right. You just okay. have to keep doing it. It's right. the dark for, you know, 12, 13, 14 hours and light for the balance of the day, dark. And back into the... In and out, in. in and out for as long as 10 weeks. Okay. Uh, through that process, you will start to see some coloring of the leaves, but by the end of that eight or nine or ten weeks, you'll be at your maximum number of colored leaves. But okay. if you just take the whole plant and stick it in the dark, the poor little thing is, <laughs> get, you know, the green is turning white and the plant okay, is yeah. keeling over uh, from lack of light. No, so if this doesn't pan out, mm-hmm. I'll just keep them in the green state mm-hmm. and then I'll just do the September thing where you put them in the dark? Is that what I should do? Well, no, but same thing. The process is always half-day dark, half-day light, whether you start in September or you start in December isn't the point. The point is is that they need that darkness and light, like complete dark, not just yeah. not just a you know a, a room with with no lights on, but the curtains are open and the street lights are flowing in. It's got to be pitch black, but okay. n- but not twenty four hours a day. Just that ten hour period every twenty four pitch black. So then you think next August would be early enough to to do this. Yeah, what I would do is uh, generally we start about mid-September, late September with that dark process, dark light process. So you keep the plant as a nice greenhouse plant in the house, outside all summer, inside in late August, all cleaned up and ready to go. By late September, you start the dark light process. Mm -hmm. By Christmas, you're in business with your your very ornamental, colorful poinsettia. I know, no, it's quite a neat looking, I'm going to uh, pull, I'm going to bring it up here on my uh, computer screen so Frank can see just how pretty they are, because they're quite, quite unusual. Hey, thanks, Mary Lynn, and uh, keep in touch, always, always welcome here at the Garden Show. By the way, uh, we have a first-time caller waiting on the line, Keith from Toronto, we're coming to you next in just a moment or so, uh, Keith, did want to repeat the phone numbers because we do have a couple of lines open right now, 416 360 0740 in Toronto, anywhere else in the province, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. It's The Garden Show from AM740 and, of course, 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Back in a moment.
Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, got the little bell uh, all ready to ring it. Just say it. Hey, right. there we are. That's nice for to hear Keith. the bell. Keith in Toronto. Good morning. Welcome to the show, Keith. Yeah, good morning, uh, Charlie, Frank. Uh, morning. My, my uh, question is, uh, we had, uh, or have, uh, or had, I guess, uh, two oleander plants at the lake. Uh-huh. And they done extremely well. And then we brought them home in the fall and brought them inside. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, around the base or on the floor, actually, we started to notice uh, uh, like a dripping. And it was quite sticky. And mm-hmm. then we noticed on the leaves they had this uh, coating of uh, a sticky substance. Yeah. So then we went up to the local uh, nursery and the, the chap gave us a Safer's End-All mm-hmm. indoor plant insecticide. Okay, yeah. So we sprayed it and... Uh, Eventually, the leaves started to fall off, and uh, that's pretty well was the end of the uh, of the plant. So, can you ex- explain just how the, what would occur? Okay, so likely that sticky stuff you were finding was actual nectar from inside the plant. Oleanders are very susceptible to aphids, so. L- being told to use endol was a good idea because endol would kill the aphids. Um, you will find with any insecticide, um, it's very important to read the instructions very thoroughly. And Endol is both pyrethrins and canola oil. So because oil always separates from water, you shake, 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 and you spray. But when you're spraying, of course, you want to be careful to not spray in the living room or someplace where you're going to have that oil overspray on your furniture and curtains. So what I probably would have done, uh, because it was the fall, if it was a nice day, I would have done it outside. If it was too cool, I would have done it in the bathtub and sprayed very thoroughly. But on your instructions, it should say on the package, you leave that spray in place yeah, for about an hour or so, and then typically we'll wash it off. So I would turn on the shower, uh, you know, room temperature kind of temperatures, and give a bit of a rinse off. Because these contact killers, even though they're completely natural, et cetera, et cetera, they still are very effective at killing insects and they're quite hard on the plants. So the oleander probably reacted to being in the sun with that insecticide on the leaves and the leaves started to suffer and started to drop. The other way that we kill oleander very easily is we overwater them. They are a very drought-tolerant, desert-like plant. And uh, in the summer when it's really hot and sunny and windy, watering consistently is important. But when we bring them indoors where the light levels are lower, there's no wind, obviously, uh, everything the plant is going to slow down big time, watering is... It is very, very important to not do it very often. You'd literally water about once a month when you bring an oleander indoors just and, and expect to lose a few leaves, you know, older leaves, mm-hmm. but you never want to lose the tips. You never want to lose the growing tips. And if you do, then you start suspecting either an insect infestation or that something's wrong in the care, that too much, too little, though likely too much water uh, causing that. So um, if you do still have the plants or, they, or did you put them outside? 
Well, yes. Uh, well, we one we uh, had to uh, pretty well get rid of, uh, mm-hmm. even though my God, and the other one we put outside. Okay, because I was going to say, pocket. it's amazing that you know how much life can still be in the mm-hmm. root of a plant. So often, when you you know an oleander, a plant like that loses every leaf and looks like it's completely dead, cutting it right down, you know, to about yeah, yeah. you know six inches mm-hmm. tall, putting it in a sunny spot, and and you know watering it sort of once or lightly often they will kind of come back from stored carbohydrates in the roots. So it's always worth a try with a plant like that, just because they are very tough plants and um, and a bit hard to kill other than, like I say, overwatering or or toxins from the, the insecticide. So sorry to hear that, but they are a great plant for outdoors. Well, thanks to the call, Keith. Tropical, of course. Tropical plant. Yeah. And one more addendum, completely poisonous. Oh, really? Every part of the oleander is poisonous. Leaves, stems, roots. So small children, pets that chew plants. I just had a hankering to munch on one I was going to say. I'm glad you said that. Don't, because you will be extremely (laughs) ill. (laughs) Okay. Um, I don't know whether... Well, we'll give it a try here. Uh, Quick, quick question, Sandra in Thorold. Hi. Good morning, Sandra. Hi there. I'm just calling from Stoke Feed. Yeah. Oh, great. Are you actually working there right now? Yes, I am. Oh, nice. Um, I, I just had one quick question. Hopefully it's quick enough. Mm-hmm. Um, the cannas and callas. Mm-hmm. I know normally you, you dry them out and you store them in sand or somewhere mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been lately putting them, leaving them in their pots, mm-hmm. dragging them to the basement mm-hmm. and uh, letting them dry out in the pot mm-hmm. covered in a bag and maybe giving a little bit of water once in a while. Mm-hmm. Is that okay? Oh, absolutely. Is, is oh, your okay. basement cool enough? You can, Or is it like my basement, same as upstairs? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's... Um, a little bit, it's probably about 63, Oh, 65. perfect. No, it's perfect, perfect. Okay. No, um, you know Dougald Cameron, I'm sure, that he was a big proponent of don't make life t- tough on yourself. If you've got bulbs in, in pots, you know, tropical tender bulbs, don't bother unpotting them. Just bring the pots in or put them into that dark, cool location and then... Bring them outside as soon as we're frost-free, and you're back in business. Right. Keep, keep keep it simple. simple. Yeah, exactly. So great. Good for you. Okay. How's business Appreciate there at your, the... your ads? And um, thank you so much. Yeah. Alrighty, well, thank, thank you, you, Stokes, for you know advertising on the show. We're always you happy betcha. to talk to anybody from Stokes. We should get. We, yeah. We'll, we'll, we we I we'll follow line up. up a, exactly. We no yeah. I. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, she's the boss, so I know what she says. You know, and I know we're both glancing in the clock, going, "Gosh, we've got thirty no, seconds where left." Where did it go? Oh, yep, Dave's Corner Garage hour. guys, they're in, they're all ready to rock and roll, oh, and uh, so we got to clear heads the studio. Up, heads up on that, the exhaust gets <laughs> thick in here. <laughs> so anyway, you are uh, you got things to do this afternoon, more shows? Yeah, I'll be back shows. from 1 to 3.30, and uh, kind of fun stuff along the way. All right, and I'm uh, off to see my, my mom and my dad and do a bunch of family stuff. I have been uh, doing for the last few days, looking after my daughter, now yeah, looking yeah. after my parents. It's <laughs> oh, non-stop, go. I know. Oh, and hey, happy Steve-o. New Year. To yeah. you, Steve. Steve Scheiman. Where he's blowing guy. kisses. Sweet. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Frank. All righty. Couldn't thank do you. it without you. And thank you, Sebastian. Couldn't do it without you. And thank you to our wonderful callers. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.